Welcome everyone to Tamini in Motion. Today we'll be interviewing a young woman named Lexi who was newly diagnosed with autism at the age of 31. She will be telling us about her experience and what autism is and what it is not. For, for our listeners, would you please just give us some kind of working definition that is uh, up to date that we can kind of use to reframe how we think about autism? Yes. So I think how I, how I just off the top of my head. Um, so it's, it's type of like rigid thinking, like, um, and, and routines and, and sameness. Like I, I really like certain routines and, um, you, you can, so predictability, predictability, you know, I wish I don't have Wi-Fi connected here yet. So I'm, I was going to look up like just, and then speak to what it is, what is, I don't really know exactly how to explain it. Um, but I, yeah, I'm very particular. I like with eating, I, there, um, people on the spectrum oftentimes have things with food, a lot of, um, rigidity with textures and flavors and smells. Oh, I'm hyper, hyper sensitive. I have sensory processing disorder. Mm -hmm. I don't really like using the word disorder. I just think it's like, there's different ways that we are, our brains. And Mm -hmm. to me, it's not a disorder. It's, it's like a beautiful way to all come together and have a neurodiverse society. Um, but I do have sensory processing issues. So noises, textures, touch, smells, all that often comes with being autistic. And I think that for me, autism is a survival, more of, you're more in a survival mode state all the time. So it's Mm -hmm. your amygdala is heightened when for a neurotypical person, they it would be dampened and their prefrontal cortex would be more on like the goings on would be through that but my experience gets filtered through my amygdala a lot so if i so i don't love public things i don't like parties i don't like like but i would do them but i would go to them but now i realize why it was so hard for me and then i would have yeah days of like days of recovering after social stuff. And I would imagine, Lexi, that that also speaks to um, you speaking to us right now, that this is maybe a bit of a sensory overload for you. It is, and it's it's so important for me that other people know that we can spread awareness and normalize in society the neurodiversity and autistic people and their gifts and how nervous systems vary and how girls in particular go under the radar and autistic people's lifespans are on average 10 years shorter than their neurotypical than neurotypical person and so I think that's in large part because of the the anxiety that 
the body, the nervous system experiences living in that heightened state, that amygdala state all the time. So yes, yes, that makes a lot of sense. So I would imagine that you have to devote a lot of attention to how you take care of yourself every day. But what I mean by that, like the term self-care is used so much now, but I, 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 I'm really thinking of it in terms of um, caring for your stress levels right. and and making sure that you're not too overstimulated or stressed so that right. you can, uh, right? Yes. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Yes, yes. I had no idea that I was so overstimulated all the time. Um, and so now I'm definitely working to take better daily care of myself, which is something that I really do have a challenge with I can overlook certain things like that other people do naturally because I just I'm not like for example getting in the shower I love showers like when I'm in the shower I feel great I always feel great after shower it's it's hard for me to get myself into the shower and it could seem like oh just get in the shower like for an autistic person it is like we this the the transition from dry to wet is mm-hmm. is just like confronting it's like what even though you know i can know that i have to shower but it can be hours of thinking about it before i actually get in the shower stuff like that um i my eating this is like the main reason that i want to share my story is because there's so many young girls especially and young boys too but young girls overlooked uh that that I think that I get preyed on I I definitely got preyed on by men and I was naive and I didn't I didn't know um I thought everyone was my friend I I didn't realize people had like ulterior motives ever I just trusted people for their word I take things extremely literally I don't read between the lines and so I also didn't really eat well my nutritional intake was terrible up until this year um not like eating fast food and stuff but eating very very minimally and so nutritional deficiencies and and sexual harassment in girls and women to me is a huge and and boys and men I don't want to disclude them but I I think that it's imperative that we get the information out there as soon as possible because I know there are little girls out there who are undiagnosed and I don't want them to go through the experiences that I went through. Um, so now I'm, I've been working with an autistic therapist, special autistic, uh, she specializes in autism and she is incredible and she's given me so many tools and has brought to my attention so many things that has over this past year and a half of working with her have really she's like restructured my thinking and in a way that's incredibly helpful and healthy for me so just going back for one minute because you're bringing up so many relevant and interesting points um in terms of eating do you think that girls that are undiagnosed who are not eating could be misdiagnosed with an eating disorder yes they are oftentimes if you if you look into the timeline the trajectory of girls lives they get diagnosed with eating disorder borderline personality disorder even bipolar disorder and 
I haven't personally been diagnosed with those, but I definitely had eating disorders. My I started like at age 11, I started uh, limiting my food intake and and it was more it wasn't even that I don't even know how to explain it with with being autistic it's it's something that people can do kind of I think more than neurotypical people is to limit their calorie intake and what they take in because they're already starting off more picky more particular about food and flavors and textures and tastes so it's a way that you can have control and that's you know anorexia and bulimia and all that it's it's a way for people to have control so I think when you're undiagnosed autistic and you get diagnosed with eating disorder it's really just like a cry for help like you, you're like the rest of everything is so intense so you can kind of focus yes yeah I am also thinking you know as you're talking about this being a therapist and knowing that the um it's almost like eliminating one more thing that you don't have to feel stress about the introduction of you know what to eat this the overstimulation around food and the textures things that you've been talking about yeah and um and i think in a way it's not only a feeling of control but it's actually eliminating uh things that are causing discomfort yes 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 mm -hmm. That's so true. Okay, so there's a lot of, you know, I, I'm hearing a lot of crossovers with other types of um, not neurological issues, but mental illness. So it's it's easy to understand why people would get lost in the system, so to speak. Yes, it is. There's often is oftentimes comorbidities, and that's why the stereotypical autistic boy having a meltdown is what we think of in society because they're when when children in particular have comorbidities um I don't know exactly what how to phrase it but learning challenges or being um nonverbal and those more behavioral noticeable behavioral presentations of autism um they oh sorry I just lost my train of thought um you're saying with oh, the comorbidities yes, yes. and with yeah there's so many comorbidities so i i've been diagnosed with major depressive disorder which i don't now that i know i'm autistic i don't like i haven't felt depressed since however it exists for me it exists for everyone on the autism spectrum to some degree and also a beautiful thing about being on the spectrum even with challenging comorbidities that can occur for people is the ability to have it's almost like I'm a fish like every moment can be a new moment like once like not every moment literally but like an hour can go by and I could be in a totally fine state the meltdowns usually last 20 minutes 45 minutes max and mm -hmm. then then I can be distracted or just move on it's not like it compromises my whole day or week or you know they come and they go and they're few and far between at this point with the self-care and working with my therapist however in my big meltdown that got me hospitalized I wasn't respected for my word so I said I'm fine I would like to be alone 
and I wasn't left alone, which I'm not blaming anyone because they were nervous that I was so upset and they wanted to be there for me. But it was, it heightened my already meltdown state and then it elongated it, which left, had me be hospitalized, but had I just been left alone, it wouldn't have gone the way it did. And I do appreciate all that has unfolded since then. I, I wouldn't be where I am today without that having happened. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as you were talking as difficult. I, I guess, you know, this is kind of the broken open moment that I ask people about when I speak to them, because it sounds like that moment is horrible as it was. It allowed you to like be where you are now. Yes. It opened it all up for you, right? Yes, it really did. It really did. And I still to this day have flashes of memories of things that happened in my life that I had no compass, no understanding that how someone was treating me was entirely inappropriate and unacceptable. Like people just really preying on people who are naive and trusting is so dangerous and it happens and people get involved in things that they don't want to, they don't know that it's not good for them. It, it, there's a childlike way about autistic people that can ha leave them more susceptible to predatory behavior. I, I hear you and I get that um, because I think that um, if you're, you know, I'm imagining if you are overloaded on a sensory level to begin with, mm -hmm. having someone be nice to you or trying to coerce you, but you're not picking up on, as you said, you yeah. know, you kind of take things at service value. Yeah, that you're, you're not, you're already overloaded. So yes. you're, not, you're not reading into anything. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so you've been through a lot now what in terms of where you are right now because so much of what you know i like to focus on with these podcasts are about resiliency yeah can you speak to that a little bit about how you see you know tell me about your resiliency i feel so grateful that i am in this new chapter of my life with with all that I the, the traumatic experiences that I went through I look back and I think you know what like that sucked but I am proud of myself for being resilient and for, for advocating for myself because mm -hmm. I knew when I first saw that video that I was autistic I didn't have a doubt in my mind and I also trusted people more than I trusted myself. So when when I wasn't received warmly, I, I put, put it aside, but it I'm proud of myself for advocating and then for myself. And, and then again, with when I got out of the hospital and shared it with my mom and then she we we went and had the evaluation, you know, I I'm proud of that because I could have just moved on, like gone on with my life and not focused on it but I knew that I wasn't it was like when I was a kid I was more mature and advanced and intellectual than my peers and that stood out and then as I got older I felt increasingly less mature in comparison to my peers and so 
and not like I, I don't I don't think that it is um it's basically like when you're autistic you're who you are from like a young age like that's who you are for your life so when you're a kid you see more advanced and I do mm -hmm. I have a, a gifted IQ so intellectually and and verbally I present as I'm sorry I'm getting off track but um so yeah, I feel I'm I'm grateful for advocating for myself even like senior year of high school I was so overstimulated by school every day I couldn't sleep and so much was social stuff going on and I ended up getting homeschooled senior year so there I put things into place in my life along the way that have helped me with my challenges so I'm mm. You knew, you knew, it sounds like you knew without knowing. Yes, I knew, I always knew I was different. I always knew that like there was something different about me and I, and people in my life, like my brother Eric, he'll, he like just thinks that, that like I'm so unique. Like he always like brought that to my attention. Like people would be like, only you Lexi or like things like that. Um, and I, I don't get... I don't get like embarrassed the way other people get embarrassed, which is something I was like really noticing more and more that people in comparison to other people, I kind of say and do frankly, like I'm very frank and it can be really challenging for people. Um, but I, I'm proud of my transparency in my honesty. And I think that it, I, I work now to have more of a thought, thought thinking before I speak because I oftentimes just speak without thinking and that could be hurtful for someone. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that. Yeah. So these are things you're working on as you're getting older Yes. to help you be a full functioning adult. Yes. Even with the challenges that you face, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, Lexi, I, I, you know, clearly we could speak about this for a very long time because there's so many aspects of this, but what do you, what would you like to accomplish at this point? What are some of your goals um, around your own awareness of your autism and, and your knowledge about it? What would you like to do with that? I would like to reach more wider population to to share what what autism can present as and there are incredible ted talks and and things of that nature that have been really insightful for me i think it's really important for autistic people to share our stories in and who we are so that the awareness continues to be spread and I think it is. I'm seeing a lot of improvement in what is circulating and the representation. Um, and it's it's really the most important thing for me is it to be normalized and understood so that young people don't get preyed on. Yes, yes. I think, you know, a podcast like this, mm -hmm. speaking with real people, you know, like yourself, and um, spreading 
you know, some awareness and opening up some conversation about it that takes it out of um, just a very stigmatizing kind of image, like, you know, what you spoke about earlier on, you know, seeing people who can, who cannot speak or yeah. um, who are flapping or, you know, and there are people that, you know, it's a spectrum. So right. there are people in all, uh, all, all places on the spectrums. But for someone like you who, um, and I'll put your picture up so everyone can see, you know, you're a very beautiful young woman, Thank you're very you. articulate and bright. And I think that it's, it's difficult, you know, to, nobody would know without you speaking about it or unless they started to get to know you. So I think the awareness is super important. Um, oh, yes. I wanted so, to say one more th thing. Yes, that, that please. That females innately mimic and mimicry is throughout, you know, everyone mimics to some extent and children with echolalia and with mm -hmm. repeat the repeating of words or phrases and um girls in particular are such intuitive mimickers of their peers so i i literally can i know whose voices like i have everyone who i've ever admi like admired people close to me people i've met who i saw something that i liked i it's almost like i absorb it like a sponge and i don't mm -hmm. do it on purpose it's it's like i'm an animal i really feel like so many of my autistic traits are in the animal kingdom in various creatures and they come together in me and one of them is mimicry and so i learned how to present at a certain age i think around like eight or nine i started to really try and be more like my what i saw was admired and i uh, i wanted everyone to like me but that went a little bit too far i think because i i presented in a way that had people like me more than friends, I think, because I didn't realize that I was being that way. I was very nice and um, kind of showed up as however I thought the other person would best like me. Like I was a vessel, mm -hmm. a vessel for other people to live through instead of being who I truly was because I had no idea who I, who I truly was and I'm working on that now. And yes, yes. I, I mean, that that's very interesting what you're talking about, uh, females being instinctively able to mimic and um, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. So on that note, you have given us so much today um, that I've, I've learned quite a bit. I hope our audience uh, learns from this and the conversations can continue and grow. Um, yeah. Maybe we can do a follow up. Uh, maybe there's some things that you'd like to add at another time yes. as as you grow. But I admire your your journey, your struggle, your coming on and speaking with us. And um, thank you. I want to thank you. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. And uh, I want to remind our audience that this is Tamini in Motion. We're going to be. Uh, um, on Spotify and iTunes, and this this will be posted this week, so everyone can listen. I'll put up a picture, and you can um, see and hear what Lexi's journey has been like. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye for now. Thank you. Bye.